And uh, I just want to uh, go to the next question here because I think it's a big one. It's a short one, but it's a big one, you know? So it's uh, how can um, understanding Ikigai as a concept be used to craft more fulfilling roles in the workplace? You know, this is this is the topic of the age, right? You know, how can we make roles that are more dynamic in this changing, mm-hmm. in this changing landscape? And so how can somebody's... Un- if somebody understands ikigai, how can it be used to craft more fulfilling roles? First, can I say I love this question? Um, I love this question for a couple of reasons, but one of them is the fact that we're talking about job crafting, which is um, or crafting this construct of crafting. Um, my bottom line answer would be um, the fact to understand ikigai allows companies, leaders, individuals to turn theories into a reality. That would be the bottom line answer. Now, in practical terms, I think it's great to know the Ikigai, but it's not enough. Yeah. So as oftentimes I would say, people say, oh, Dr. Passion. So um, you did research on passion, for example. Is that enough? Well, it's not. It needs to be into purpose, for example. Um, so I would say the following. I think a preliminary step I would suggest any organization leaders to start with is to be clear about their own Ikigai but also then maybe their team's ikigai. So that would be the first step. The concept of crafting comes after this almost as a follow-up. Once you're clear about that ikigai, like the guiding star, as I said earlier, then you follow-up the fact that your teams and yourself as a leader, you found your ikigai with job crafting. Job crafting sounds easy and super interesting as a concept, but it's quite complex to put in place. So job crafting... It, it just just in a nutshell for whoever is, is listening is this idea of bottom line of from an employee standpoint to have that proactive autonomous freedom to craft in other words to shape your day-to-day work your day-to-day task the way you want it to be right and job crafting as a follow-up to the guy i think we we should look at maybe one thing i could propose is three levels of job crafting so the first one would be task crafting Second one would be um, something we call relationship crafting. And the third one is cognitive crafting. So task crafting, to not get confused with um, task design, sounds the same, but it's different. Hear me out. Task crafting is giving the freedom, the autonomy for employees to come up with their proactive ideas of how they could reimagine their work day to day in a way that, that would motivate them. As opposed to... Um, task design, which is usually top-bottom, implemented by a leader or manager, this is the way you're going to work, A, B, C, D, E, five, six, seven tasks, and that's it, my way or the highway. Well, that's not exactly crafting, right? So task crafting is very interesting. Proactive, autonomous decision by the employee on his or her own task. Second one is relationship crafting. The way you want to work and interact with your employees, especially post-COVID, think about it. Once upon a time, we used to be able to go to the office, knock at the door of your colleague or open space, just walk to your colleague and grab, hey, um, you know what, uh, Mary Elizabeth, should we go for a coffee? Let's do it. Now you can't do this. So how do you interact? How do you craft your relationship with your colleagues when everything's on, I don't know, virtual, to name a few potential virtual platforms like Zoom? Well, you need to reinvent and reimagine the way you craft your relationship at work, relationships. And you need to 
allow and craft an environment, create an environment as a leader to allow your employees to craft the way they want to reimagine the relationships. For example, introducing water coolers, maybe giving them some free time, like half mm-hmm. an hour every day, to have an electronic virtual water cooler, or give them a budget to see each other if they are in the same city or country once every quarter to see mm. uh, each other, and so on and so forth. The third level of job crafting is what we call cognitive crafting. This one is complex. It's about allowing employees to think about the sort of mindset they should have. So I think in a nutshell, my answer is um, understanding Ikigai as a concept is awesome, but maybe it's not enough to take that to the next level if you want to talk about crafting, job crafting. So Ikigai is a preliminary step that gives you this clarity around the sort of work and life worth living. Cool. But once you've got that, what the hell do you do? The next step is, as a leader, if you're a leader, for example, you want to give this ability for your employees and your team to job craft. And I just talked about three ways of doing job crafting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just, I suppose uh, the the reason for the question was because I personally, as, you know, practitioner under the sun, can't imagine, you know, um, Ikigai and visiting Ikigai as a concept, learning about it, and it not sort of affecting the way, once it's defined, the way that jobs look if, if a company really chooses to adopt um, a new and stronger vision, right? So I think yeah. I think that's that's where the question sort of came from. Um, but I think you sort of touched on the you know sort of your three layers of how that trickles down um, once that happens. But I think you're right. It's it's definitely not enough. Um, it's sort of a byproduct of if I'm hearing you correctly. Absolutely, and and I think um, I mean we we'll talk about this maybe at some point. But I think something that's very hard is to turn that theory into reality. And I think one of the, something I would say is the following. Ikigai is great as an abstract concept, but if you want to turn that into practical steps or practical reality, it does require someone to understand what Ikigai means, the research behind it, but also some practical um, interventions or exercises that um, adjusted in a certain way can actually be applicable to an organization or to somebody's personal life as well. So it requires to have someone that helps you that understand the concept of Ikigai in a practical way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's hard because you're taking something so abstract and understanding the nuances. Um, I completely agree, especially as somebody who knows about the topic myself. Um, What challenges might someone face organizationally when initially adopting their new Ikigai concept? Um, as a framework for the company culture, or um, I have here describing aspects of it um, that are part of its core values. Like, what challenges might might somebody face, and how can an expert help to ease that transition um, of the application? Mm. It's a good question. I would say uh, I'm going to come back to the last point I mentioned previously. I think one of the first challenge people would organizational leaders would face is (laughs) to find either the internal or external help from someone uh, or a team that actually understand Ikigai inside out. Not from after reading a book and that's it, I understand Ikigai, but understanding the principle behind it, the research behind it, and some of the tools that are applicable. So finding the resource or someone 
that help that knows this concept it can apply that is one challenge second um i would say especially in department around learning and development lnd organizational behavior or even hr sometimes i personally would say the following um and i don't want to kind of shock some of our listeners but i do observe a lot of freestyle so people it's normal Absolutely. you don't know a concept you read something from a harvard business review articles or you heard that something on a bbc or you've you've seen a ted talks but then hang on oh let me try this on it's like a child in a candy store so they try a little bit of that of that of that but it needs to link to an overall strategy yeah that the top leadership needs to abide by and believe in if the top leadership of the organization believe in ikigai as a concept as a guiding star then um this second challenge is to find a way that is not freestyle but a way that is again systematic as an approach for any organization to implement the ikigai and i think this is hard because it requires someone to know okay systematic what steps framework measurement tools what are we talking about so having something that is process systematic it's not easy a lot of companies try and error and readjust and finding something systematic stuff the third one is super mega hard and but it's doable it's linked to this concept that you mentioned earlier in your question culture if you implement ikigai as a philosophy a stance a way of looking at life and work a work worth having happen a job not a job but a work that you're passionate about that is meaningful to you then it probably chances are it will affect the culture and it will trigger some form of change Absolutely. and we know that any form of change triggers resistance especially employees that are expert have been there for like 15 years or 10 years they go oh hang <laughs> on i've been doing this for 10 years what the hell are you coming here with something that um you come up with you've read an article and then you're trying to implement oh how do you call that ikigai okay no i refuse then it will trigger resistance so then we enter the territory of what we call change management so then there are quite a few models and framework one of them is for example current lewins change model where you mm-hmm. unfreeze where you have to first unfreeze so you kind of um not unlearning you want to first spots the need to change something because you don't change for the sake of changing you change and you don't change everything you change certain areas of the organization right maybe the way people work maybe the way people communicate so you kind of unfreeze there's certain things that mm. like think of the cube there are there's like a shape of a strawberry in a cube but that strawberry is toxic or it doesn't work properly so you want to unfreeze that cube access the strawberry and then you want to like the play-doh imagine it's a play-doh strawberry then you model it which is phase 2 phase 2 is then you implement the change you have access you unfreeze it then phase 2 you take the play-doh then you shape it the way it should have it should be that's change yeah and then once it's nice then you refreeze the whole thing because it's now the strawberry has a shape it should have the organization it was working and the change program is bearing its fruit then you refreeze the whole thing because it's working that is complex because this is what we call change management absolutely and i think there can sort of be a trivialization of concepts like ikigai that can be sort of seen as sort of like 
self-help-ish and uh and then companies sort of one manager reads a book or one leader reads a book and then all of a sudden we want to try this on and um I think it's very important that you address sort of like the trivialization of concepts like ikigai and how yes how how completely organizational like how organization transformation can really occur as a result of implementing this top down in a very methodical and expert with an expert approach it can be, you know, completely different from just trying it on like a new, like a new, like a new tool or, or something. Cause I, I think I want, I want to make sure that I differentiate that Ikigai is not really a tool, right? It's not. It is a philosophy, a stance of life. And actually, I mean, I have my own definition if you're interested about Ikigai, but, and it's not like a research-based definition, but like simplistically, um, the way I would, it's quite abstract the first time I read it. And this is why I scratched my head. And I, after reading and investigating and coaching people and doing work on Ikigai, the way I look at Ikigai, it's, 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 almost, it's, a, it's a life view. The way I define it is, it's, Ikigai is a pragmatic view on life. A life that is lived with purpose and passion. So it's a pragmatic stance or a pragmatic view that one has on life living with purpose and passion. So it's more a view. It's more a stance. Some people would call it a philosophy, I think, even in Japan. Oh, absolutely. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life, yeah. A reason for being. Yeah. Um, I, that was one of my questions that I was going to ask later on, but, you know, Ikigai is such an abstract concept. Could you just take a moment to, in your own words, define and describe Ikigai for us a little further? Or do you feel like you already gave us everything that, at the basic sense, it means or you can define it as? Yeah, I think the word view is important. Um, I think um, I'm going to use that, I probably have used that word two or three times, pragmatic. So I would say it's a pragmatic view, pragmatic view on life or about life, um, but the life lived with purpose and passion. So I think, and then, and then if you start unpacking what purpose means and what passion means in itself, it's even more complex. But I think the bottom line is a pragmatic view on the life lived with purpose and passion would be my, kind of my definition on Ikigai. Now, this is a really loaded question that sort of is, you know, in the same realm. So bear with me. Um, on an individual level, there's a lot of research uh, that mm-hmm. applying principles of Ikigai into your life can help create greater well-being. That's undoubtedly so. You can go on Google Scholar and hundreds of articles will come up about Ikigai and all the different ways that they're, you know, looking into this concept and this philosophy. Um mm-hmm. You, Dr. Passion, work with often mission and purpose-driven individuals. What could individuals wanting to work with you gain as it relates to the Ikigai lens of well-being by engaging in a coaching relationship with you? Um, first of all, I would say coaching or, you know, um, organizational development. Um, it really goes beyond this about, like, um, human capital and people potential, really. Um, and I would say probably three folds. Um, the first one, ultimately, um, and hopefully that would sounds, it would resonate with people. Um, I mean, if I was to coach like a one-on-one individual, as opposed to a team, for example, I think uh, it would allow people to leave, um, to change their life for the better. That's the first thing. 
to change life for the better. Um, uh, from a work perspective, but also in life in general, living a life that is really meaningful. They, they want to wake up in the morning and feel motivated about, passionate about. The second thing I would say is um, probably at a team level, organizational team, it would help boost the efficiency and, um, and build what we call high-performing teams as well. So inviting teams to be focused on what is meaningful and important that would yield results um, by applying aspect of Ikigai or a systematic way of applying Ikigai. And I think the third thing is, I mean, part of my also doctoral research in the past was really looking at um, leaders and their passion. And I think if you tap at the, the top of the organization, leaders, um, uh, public organization, private organization, startups, and so on and so forth, you'd see a ricochet, a ripple effect across the entire organization. So ultimately, I think it also would create better leaders who themselves would have the power to create a better world. And that's secretly my hope. By applying this concept of Ikigai and helping people unpack and crack their Ikigai, they can create a better world somehow. It might sound very idealistic, but I'm really hoping that people who live a meaningful life and doing something that might be good for the world as well might help the world in itself. So creating better leaders might help um, creating a better world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that is very central to sort of the purpose of, of Dr. Passion and why we want to ignite that sort of flame in people, um, that yeah. passion. Um, Let's talk a little bit about my final question for you. Um, why is Ikigai an important concept at Dr. Passion? Um, and how is it using your services? I guess, why are we really talking about Ikigai here? Like, why is this even important in, at Dr. Passion? And um, talk to me a little bit about how it's used in your services. I think we talk about that because it works. <laughs> <laughs> I think we I think we talk about that because it works. I've been working with people on the Ikigai from well, Tokyo that's to good New news. York. <laughs> um, from Tokyo to New York to London to Paris to, but there's one thing I'm going to have to say. It's a bit like when you talk about love. Um, you know, like when people take the flight for, the, for when I took the flight for the first time. There's a reason I'm talking about this. I was shocked. I was a, a teenager um, for the flight attendant to say, in case of emergency, oxygen mask would fall on yourself. And first put it on yourself and then put it on people like elderly people or kids. I found that so selfish. I thought, oh, gosh, hang on. If I have a little child or someone super old next to me, I would probably want to save them. It took me years to realize one thing. How can you save somebody else if you can't first save yourself? How can you love somebody if you can't love yourself? And one thing that I want to say is I personally experienced Ikigai. Uh, with my own coach, uh, talked about this with my mentors. And when I found Ikigai and I experienced the power of Ikigai in myself, hmm. I was telling myself, you know what? It works. It works. I'm doing something I'm passionate about. I don't even call it work. It's something I wake up in the morning. I, I freaking love what I do. And I freaking love the fact that I'm helping people build a better world and, 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 and living a more successful life and uh, you know, purposeful life as well. And then I wanted to offer that to other people. So then I came up with a systematic approach and did more research. And, and so then I did that with other people and it works as well. So it works. That's what I would say. Okay. 
Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today and also for answering some of these really crucial questions as a follow-up to sort of the theme um, at Dr. Passion this month. Um, thank you so much for everything you've shared and um, I hope you all watching have enjoyed us talking about this. Thanks so much and thank hopefully uh, uh, talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, share, like, subscribe, and please join me for the next one. Thank you.